0: Not yet, dude! Uh. Okay, it's Radio Mysterioso here for, what is it today, the 30th? I think so. Yeah, the 30th of um, March, and uh, we got uh, a guest here, but first the intro. From the beginning. Okay all right, uh, as promised over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've got uh, Joe Osterley here who's a writer and a uh, comedian yeah funny guy. Um, he's the only guy I know that actually had to uh, partially or at least whole, maybe wholly pay his rent and, and feed his face by being funny. Yeah, you got to hold the microphone closer. Is that working? You
2: tell me.
0: That one? Hello. Uh, ah, it's Mike 2. Okay. You never know. We label these and then people re um, replug them in in different places. Uh, Joe is also um, co-author of Weird California and also Weird Vegas and Weird Nevada Las Vegas. And Nevada, yeah.
2: And I'm currently working on Weird Hollywood.
0: That's right. Yeah. So, of course, I got jealous and pissed off when I found out he was doing that. <laughs> but he's the one that asked first, so I have no reason to I say anything. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm sort of helping him out with that. and He's got uh, great stories about that that he tells me constantly. However, tonight I wanted to have Joe on because one of my interests, apart from all this esoteric UFO, paranormal, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot stuff... Is um, humor, comedy, and things like that, Um, what's funny, what what makes things funny, what place does humor have in society, all these big, fat questions. Um, And Joe has brought along a bunch of uh, MP3s. I made some today. Uh, I don't think there's going to be too much crossover. Uh, but Joe, why don't you tell us uh, what? I, and I know you were writing for uh, Online version of National Lampoon for a while Worked
2: for National Lampoon Both online and uh, some of the magazine stuff Some of the book stuff uh, Contributed to some, some stuff that n- will never be a movie But that's probably just as well Considering yeah. the movies they do
0: uh, You probably have to put this in front of me Either that, or I'll get you. Uh, let me How's see this, if there's this other things. Yeah, a little. You got. I, you notice how I'm talking right like this. You almost right on have top to, of it? Yeah, you almost have to feel like if you get too close, you'll get germs from the other people that were using the microphone. Oh, that gives perfect sound. All right. Well, and it's not. You know, we don't have those big arm things that come out like they had at a couple of radio stations. I did interviews with you, and I'm sure you've done yourself. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I interrupted you while you were talking about uh, some of the stuff you were doing. No, it's okay.
2: I worked for the Lampoon for about four years, uh-huh. and uh, now I've been doing uh, books the, the weird the weird books. And I also do some uh, some. St- I still do some writing for myself and some animation. I'm, I do. I'm also a cartoonist, and I do some animation. And if you want to check my stuff out, it's joeartistwriter.com dot com, and uh, there's some some pretty funny stuff. There's a uh, Bonus stories from both California weird, weird California weird, Holly, uh, weird, Vegas that didn't make it, and there's some animations that I've done, lampoon and post lampoon that you might enjoy.
0: Well, excellent. Maybe I should do that. I thought everything I wrote was their property, and I couldn't do anything with. Well, you're not making money off that. You're just uh, promoting yourself.
2: Oh yeah, right. but yes, yeah, right. I have it on my website, and I have some of the stories that were in the book and some of the stories that I thought were very fun and funny but didn't make it. There's a great story
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: that's better. that didn't make the Vegas book an excellent story. Speaking of of comedy, Buddy Hackett. Right. Buddy Hackett's like 1962, I'm thinking, and I don't remember if it was the Sands. It's probably not the Sands, but for some reason the Sands is sticking in my head. Maybe it was the Aladdin or as well or whatever. Yeah, sure. 1962, Buddy Hackett's... Uh, Contract in 1962. Aside from being paid, you know, some ridiculous amount. You know, 1962 money was probably ten thousand dollars a night. But Buddy Hackett was contractually obligated to, and this is this is legalese, receive oral gratification from the showgirl of his choice before and after each set.
0: Now, yeah, not before and after each show or each day, but
2: set before and after each set. Now, I got to tell you. 1962 Buddy Hackett was not a pleasant-looking man, but if I were a showgirl at the time, I think every time Buddy said, who wants to go first, I would raise my hand because <laughs> I don't want to follow a, a girl after Buddy's done his set and sweated <laughs> Buddy's ball sweat in his polyester <laughs> pants. I don't need to lick that up, so I was I would always be – volunteering to suck you saw first. this uh contract? yeah i actually did i i didn't see the original i saw a copy right, of it. right okay but yeah you could probably google it too i mean that's how i found it originally yeah but then i went to vegas and some what guy were you showed doing it to me.
0: googling buddy buddy hackett's oral gratification that's ah, just something i do greg oh, gotta, okay
2: please <laughs> we all have our things and that's one of mine
0: <laughs> uh is there something you want because uh, i'll tell you what i've got on here and then okay. you tell me um, Derek and Clive Steve Martin just because I was part of my I've, I've been listening to comedy records since I was probably like you know eight years old
3: yeah
2: I love Steve Martin yeah um, I've got a little Steve did, Martin you read,
0: did you read his um, autobiography Born Standing Up excellent yeah. excellent book I read it in about three hours yeah real exactly. I just real quick <laughs> screamed right through yeah. it and it's a great book. I really enjoyed it. There's, but it's weird
2: know. that people now probably don't even know the Steve Martin. I mean, there are people born after 1983 yeah. that didn't realize Steve Martin. Steve Martin was the very first concert I ever went to. My parents <laughs> took me at the, the Garden State Arts Center, uh-huh. and I got to see Steve Martin doing his wild and crazy guy thing with the white tuxedo and the arrow through his head and all right. that stuff. It was very cool. He did King Tut. Uh-huh. And uh, juggled that cats, here. and he did all that kind of stuff. It was great. That was, that was my very first concert. I think I was 15, 16, whatever oh, I was. Oh, Jesus. My yeah. first
0: was 14, and it was Devo. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, stuff from National Lampoon Radio Hour, specifically from Michael O'Donoghue, who's a hero of mine. He's brilliant.
2: You know, as a matter of fact, I just ran into An act
0: you had to follow in, in yeah. uh, some way, yeah.
2: Oh, the, the f- one of the funniest things. I mean, when I first – I know I, – I, You know, in our generation, anyway, Uh, you would read Cracked and Mad magazine and then you would graduate to National Lampoon. And and you would graduate and then you would see like there was full frontal nudity at the Lampoon. They would have um, the photo funnies. Uh Uh-huh. And, and it was all done with the the staff members, and they would hire some just hot chick, and she'd come in and and she'd get naked, and you'd see full seventies bush, yeah. full frontal seventies bush, and it would always be some it, the the brilliance of it it was it would always be some sort of er, esoteric kind of conversation, right? And the girl just happened to be completely nude, you know. And, right. and occasionally they would make occasionally and stuff there like would
0: that. be yeah there'd be like and the and the one I remember with who did those first was Chris. Um Oh, Miller, Chris Miller, yeah. I think originally yeah. did them, and then they kind of branched out. Yeah. And then Chris Miller started doing the underwear for the death stuff with Michael O'Donoghue. <laughs> and
2: well, O'Donoghue, the first, the, the, actually, the very first recollection I have of of National Lampoon, I was reading the letters letters to the editor, which I just yeah. thought were the funniest thing. Yeah. Anyway, you go right to them, right? And there was this whole thing. You remember the story of the lady and the tiger? Yes. <laughs> And I remember the letter, too. <laughs> oh, God, it was the greatest. Because there's, there's a whole story, and I remember having to read it in about fourth grade. And there's this, and there's this whole thing about uh, this guy was found guilty of a crime. I don't remember it very well, except that I do remember he was given a choice. There, he, was, he was put in a room, and there were two doors. Behind, door number one, well, behind one of the doors was a beautiful woman who he was able to have sex with and marry and live happily right. for the rest of his life. And behind the other door was a man-eating tiger. And so you go through the man's trial, and you go through what he did and and his trial, and now they put him in there, and then they say, and now choose the lady or the tiger. And the story actually ends there. But right. in the Lampoon letters to the editor, they actually pick it up. So you hear the man you, – you hear the uh, – you're reading, and it says – so I chose door number two and out pounced this ferocious, man-eating tiger. <laughs> and we <laughs> fucked like crazy. We <laughs> fucked for hours. We fucked, you know, we tongue my balls and did blah, blah, and all this thing. And then at the very end, it says, oh, by the way, did I forget to mention, I'm also a tiger. Yeah. So it was, it was, that, that was like, I remember, I really remember that thinking that yeah. was great. And then I also remember – um O'Donoghue's uh, Winston Churchill. Do you remember this? Yes, yes. Oh, brilliant stuff.
0: The and Young Churchill or whatever. It was the Churchill the Wit, wit yeah. Churchill
2: Wit. Which were real was was a real book at, at the time in the seventies it came out and it was a real and Winston Churchill obviously had some great quotes, you know. Yeah. And Comeback really, King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there were all these I, I wish I had I should have prepared and, and actually had this with me yes
0: I have it at home the magazine and the book later that it was collected into the best of book but there is there is like
2: quotes from Lady Astor and she says to William Churchill you know uh, William you're you're drunk and he says well I you're fat and drunk and he said well I can lose weight I mean I'm I'm paraphrasing I can lose weight and and stop drinking but you'll always be ugly or whatever yeah exactly but the the Michael O'Donoghue version is shut up you fucking twat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's just really it was just like just an exercise in vulgarity. I love I love that kind of stuff. It yeah, just, well, it was, vul- it was high brow, low brow. That's yeah. the beauty of the lampoon. Yeah. I thought.
0: Yeah, exactly. You take the highbrow, and then you take a very large knife and slice right yeah, through. Yeah, it, it wasn't.
2: I mean, a fart joke is a fart joke, but yeah. if it's but if it's Aristotle farting suddenly.
4: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, or Walt Whitman or something. Yeah, exactly. They're always they're always dealing with the Walt Whitman. Um, do you have any? You know what? Since we're talking about Michael O'Donoghue, who remember uh, the first. No, it wasn't the first National Lamb. I mean, the first uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night, Live? Night Live. Although the first the one was The Wolverines. I want to feed your fingertips to the Wolverines. I
2: just spoke to uh, Margot Kidder, who told me that she she lived with Michael O'Donoghue for a number of years. Oh, really? Because, well, I asked her to do the weird. No wonder she went nuts. I asked her to do Weird Hollywood for me. I met her at an autograph signing thing, and she said, Oh, I don't know if I w- want to do that. And I said, Really? Margot Kidder's not weird enough for Weird <laughs> Hollywood? And she laughed a little bit, and she said, "No, but I really love. uh, I, you know, she knew I worked at the Lampoon. She, I really love the Lampoon." And she lived with Michael O'Donoghue for a number of years.
0: That's that's what happened to her. (laughs) Well, there was a a segment on National uh, on Saturday Night Live with. uh, well, there was Mr. Mike's be- Least love Bedtime Tales, mm-hmm. which was pretty good. And then there was one where he, he, he would always say, I wonder what it would be like if, you, if uh, somebody stook, took large steel needles and stuck them into the eyes of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir <laughs> right. or whatever. But I was looking through my um, National Lampoon uh, Radio Hour stuff, and I probably found one of the first things he ever did like that before okay. Saturday night, anything like that. There's three very short things here that were written by Michael O'Donohue, and two of them have him in it, total probably about three minutes. So let's listen to those, and then you pick something, and we'll play that and talk about it. All right, it. fantastic. Um, this is called What If Ed Sullivan Were Tortured?
5: <laughs> is it work? You know, Ed Sullivan, we kid him a lot, but Ed Sullivan is one of the greats of this business. And in the cab on the way over to, to, the, to the studio tonight, I had a funny thought. What if Ed Sullivan were tortured? And when I say tortured, what I mean is what if steel needles, say six inches long, were plunged into Ed's eyes, I I think it would go something like this.
0: sorry about that it jumped into something be sure to tune in next week
6: when the national lampoon presents the beloved german christmas tale gift of the nazis the heartwarming story of an impoverished concentration camp official who sells his electric torture machine to buy his wife a new set of lead weighted thongs for her whip only to find that she has sold the whip to buy him a new pair of electrodes for his generator
5: And that brings us to request time here on the National Lampoon Radio Hour. And tonight's
6: request comes from Ray Estapowicz of Scranton, Pennsylvania, who writes, Please do your version of Gigi, as it might have been done by Bernardo Bertolucci, the director of Last Tango in Paris. Well, that's a, dare I say, far out request, uh, Raymond, but we're certainly willing to give it a try. Uh,
7: I can remember everything. Everything... As if it was yesterday You used three fingers
1: Oh, no, just two Am I getting old? Oh, no, not you
7: Ah, yes I remember it well It was a play
4: It was a dance I dropped my name You dropped your pants.
7: Ah, yes I remember it well it was uh, something about dog vomit
6: Big vomit, I recall that I said I would eat.
3: Oh, Jean.
7: Oh, Paul, it warms my heart to know that you remember
6: still the way you do.
7: Ah, yes. I remember. Our children. Our children.
6: Our children will remember.
0: Yep. Oh, whoop. Is that working? Whoa! That, uh, so for everybody who's deaf right now, I apologize. Anyway, we were saying that's pure Donahue having uh, what that was and having uh, uh, Belushi slash uh, Marlon Brando shot at the end. Um, and uh, I told Joe here that uh, since that was some Lampoon stuff, he'd had some other National Lampoon stuff he wanted to share with us. Uh, the magazine kind of... Um, kept going and going, and then they kind of branched out. And actually, I read in the uh, Radio Hour uh, CD thing that I have that they actually took uh, O'Donohue and gave him this Radio Hour project to get him out of everybody's hair because he was driving everyone nuts.
2: (laughs) That doesn't surprise me. I didn't know that, but that doesn't surprise me.
0: There we go. Um, Yeah, uh, it was apparently really hard to get along with. Did you ever read the uh, biography uh, of O'Donoghue?
2: You know what? Uh, it's funny. I gave that to my editor years ago, and he wound up... He he became the editor of The Lampoon in 98, I think. I
0: think the guy's name was Dennis Perrin that wrote the autobiography. <laughs> the, I mean the biography.
2: But the, the photo was taken from a photo shoot that my editor had set up on a, on a different um, comedy magazine that he was putting, and he got screwed out of all the... All the money that was coming to him for the for, for the photos that they used in that book, apparently he had done them all. Oh well, and he got screwed. Oh, too fine. bad.
0: I, I think I've seen one of them. I've actually got one of them framed, the black and picture. white with the knife. With the knife, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah my, my, it was in Scott it was, Rubin, who's the editor of the National Lampoon right oh, okay. now. He took. I don't know if he took the picture, but he set it up.
0: Okay, yeah, I've I've got that picture actually framed, and it uh, great it's in the shot. garage now. But I've had it. I had it up in my room for many, many, many years. Uh, since it appeared in a magazine, um, like some comedy magazine, probably the one you were talking about. Very possible. Uh, we didn't really background O 'Donohue He was kind of like, uh, well, he worked for Lampoon. He's one of the founding editors, writers, uh, creative force, um, and uh, he had a real take no prisoner's attitude about comedy yeah. the thing that would offend the most people was the thing that he would do immediately
2: if you 're looking for for some great michael O 'Donohue video, you can go to mr was it M- mr, mr. mike 's mondo, mondo video yeah yeah that was a pretty pretty out there, especially for the seventies yeah. It was very. I don't even. What was that? Was that a underground? It was a
0: special that they were doing for NBC, and then NBC looked at it and said, "Yeah, no
2: fucking way." It we're gonna never v-. appeared on TV. As far so they name.
0: released it theatrically, and then they made a you know made a home video out of it, and they. I don't think it's ever been on DVD. I actually got a VHS of it off of eBay or something after having not seen it for ten years and watched it again. And about probably about fifty percent, I mean, about forty percent of it is kind of boring and unwatchable. And other parts are you know absolute. Right. Incredible genius. Yeah, that's the
2: thing. I mean – and but that's the thing with The Lampoon. Even back when it was brilliant, there were a lot of things that were like,
0: yeah, that's not that
2: great. But if you sat – if you sorted through the that's right. not so great, you were getting some crazy brilliant comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I and, think that's. And,
0: and Donahue wrote a lot. Of, he wrote Tarzan of the Cows, and yep. then they got um, who was it? Frank Frazetta or somebody like that? They got like real famous comic book artists to illustrate. these Neil things. Adams. I know. Yeah, you, Neil Adams. Neil yeah. Adams.
2: I spoke to Neil Adams one time, and he was uh, he did uh, Jesus uh, Son of God comics. Yeah. And Neil Adams. Son of o God. Yeah. yeah. And, and Neil Adams was the artist. And Neil Adams is a serious legend. Yeah. In the comic book industry, and he had talked about it, and he was like asking me because at the time. I was the art director and senior editor at the Lampoon, and he was asking me, you know, could you get me this? Could you get me that? I'm like, you know what, Neil, to be honest? uh,
0: Nobody knows where that stuff is.
2: Everybody knows where it is, really. And it was all locked up in some warehouse in New Jersey, and the guy that owned the Lampoon at the time was like, fuck you, I'm not paying that. So we had all this artwork and and all these great stuff, and I think it was $6,000, and he just wasn't going to pay it. So I don't know. I don't know Uh. whatever happened to that stuff. And it's some... some
0: Somebody... to put together an exhibit or something, yeah. I mean, th- this is like nobody. Everybody thinks National Lampoon; they think you know, Vacation or Animal House or whatever. Or and if they're a little bit hip, they think about the people that uh, made that jump into Saturday Night Live, That's like Charlie really Belushi and, and um, Gilda Radner, and I'm not sure if Lorraine Newman, but a lot no, of those she people was were, LA Yeah, a lot of those. She was from uh, the Improv. Right. I mean, the um, what's it called? Groundlings. Groundlings, exactly. Groundlings. Um, a lot of those people. Came from uh, National Lampoon and through Belushi and his association. Brian the sec- Doyle, Mary, yeah, from Bill Murray,
2: Belushi, Radner, yeah. uh, Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest.
0: I didn't realize Billy Crystal was com- yeah. came through that too because from, he's from on. Not
2: the writing, but from the performance.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, on some of those old radio show yeah. recordings. Yeah. Um, actually, I think he was doing Muhammad Ali impersonations yeah. on one of the, yeah.
2: They did the Muhammad Ali and, and uh, Howard Cosell interviews. Ali. Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, what did you want to play off Let's of there? See. Well,
2: we've got. you know Speaking of lampoon, uh, back when I was there in nineteen, well, it was two thousand three, I suppose. We did a an album called uh, "Rules of the Road," and it was a, an album primarily of gay trucking songs. And we realized there there hadn't been a whole lot of gay trucking albums. Is it queued up? Yeah, so we thought like, ah, oh, well, well, there is a niche that we could fulfill. And I wrote this song, or co-wrote this song, with my friend Mason Brown. Mason is singing lead here, and this is called What Goes On The Road Stays On On The Road.
8: (laughs) I'm out there driving on the highway of life Nobody beside me but some pictures of my wife And I get lonely I get lonely I see a rest up ahead, I've taken comfort there Put in the patch up boys and let the music blare and I'm still nowhere. Here comes a young man, I can see he's pretty thin, tap taps upon the window, and I tell him come on in, I'm an experienced man, there's so much he needs to know, and I teach him the rules of the road, what goes on, on the road, stays on. Rest your five o'clock shadow next to mine What goes on on the road Stays on on the road This thing never happened You'd best keep that in mind I'm not asking your name be mine, no need for complications or we'll get along just fine, I think I'll call you Doris, my sister's name was Doris, keep your mind on your work, keep your eyes closed shut, don't think of looking up at me, oh boy you're gonna get cut and I don't wanna cut you, I swear to God I'd cut you But now the time has come When we must sing goodbye. Here's a Kleenex Dry those pretty eyes I've got some loose change Go get yourself a Coke And remember the rules of the road What goes on Needs to be open. You just keep your mouth shut, except when it needs to be open. Ooh, keep that pretty mouth open. Ooh, keep that pretty mouth open.
0: Mike, whoa, is that working? Yeah, it's sort of working. That's fun. Oh, there. It's this thing's cutting in, not fading in like it should be. <laughs> It's funny listening to that. Besides mm. it being funny, um, what I was going to say was that uh, usually you'll, somebody will say, "Hey, listen to this thing I did," and you're like, "You have to be nice." And yeah. truly, it actually it, it's it's worthy of the lampoon. Uh, oh, wow! Thank you, uh, moniker. I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. I appreciate that yeah there's we, it fits right in with their their uh tradition
2: it was you know what's what's fun about it was i mean back when I worked there, it was really like walk in, do what you think is funny, and then walk out and you know for you know I'd walk in at eleven o'clock in in the morning and leave at midnight, but i'd put in a, a serious day, yeah. And it was whatever you know. If I wanted to make fun of George Bush, or if I just wanted you know whatever it was, whatever was in the news, or whatever I really wanted to tackle,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I could, and, and you could do it in either written form. And and since the internet came along, we could do um, we could do animation and and uh, audio tracks. Uh, I actually have a, uh, I authored, directed. Wrote, produced, and voiced a short animated film that's in the Smithsonian. No, yeah. that I did at the Lampoon, and it was uh. just like you know, you like they, then you get this thing from the Smithsonian and says, "Oh, by the way, you're now in here." And you're like, "Holy <laughs> Christ, that is amazing!" My stupid little cartoon is in the Smithsonian.
0: I never got anything from the Smithsonian. That <laughs> that's great. Yeah, thanks. Um, but that that particular
2: album is called National Lampoon's Rules of the Road. That was, the, that was the title track, as they uh-huh. say. And uh, in my bio, I say, you know, uh, in, in, in the first month alone, sales skyrocketed to 400. <laughs> since then, sales have almost doubled. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I do think that since 19, 2003, we have sold upwards of 600 copies. <laughs> so if you want a copy... I could, side. I could. Hey, you could, you could write me at Joe at JoeArtistWriter dot com. Oh, okay, and I'll put you in touch.
0: Uh, have you done
2: any uh, stand up stuff? I, I've done, I've written stand up. I've never actually performed stand up, but I perform improv comedy. Oh, okay. I used to perform at the Empty Stage Theater, which is, which was on Veteran and Pico, and now, and now was, I was with a group called Pop, and also another group called the Fortune Room. Fortune Room was a, a musical improv. Group. Oh, okay. And then uh, pop was kind of a political culture and pop, uh, political and pop culture mix. Now I'm in a group called Being Humans, uh, a lot of the same guys, about half of the same guys from my old pop group. And we're performing this Friday, whatever that is. What Friday is that?
0: I don't know. What's the first? Um, fourth? Tuesday?
2: Fourth, maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think we're performing the fourth at
2: the jeez oh, i don't know I think it's the McCadden Place theater, and if it 's not that it 's the west side eclectic we 've okay. been bouncing between the two <laughs> but of you them. can
0: find out on your site
2: you could pref- you could find out at um, ah, shoot go to go to <laughs> go to yes email me again at joe at joeartistwriter.com dot com or go to myspace and look up being humans improv
0: okay uh, the, the, another reason I ask you that is um, I know i 've got um favorite stand up people that i 've liked mm-hmm. you know since. I don't know. I I bought that Woody Allen album. I think when I was ten. Yeah. The uh, stand uh, stand up comic, mm-hmm. the one with the black and white pictures on yes, it. Yes. And uh, before you got here, I actually there's a um, CD I got from somewhere, put out by some internet uh, comedy uh, collective or group or company or something like that. It was an interview from 1968 or something with Woody Allen asking what what was funny, what made things funny, and how to be a comedian. Right. And his um, answers were just, well, you, you. The guy, the first question, great question. What kind of equipment does a person need to become a comedian? It's like <laughs> uh, microphone and, or a loud voice, I guess. But no, it, Woody Allen was like, it was. A look, seri- it, are you yeah, saying it was a serious? It was a serious question about. It was a serious. It's a whole CD, like an hour of Woody Allen talking about how he became, you know, understand. a comedian, how he started writing, it, what he did in TV what he does to be funny, what he thinks is funny, what his influences are, just all the stuff you would never think Woody Allen would talk about, but right. this guy cornered him in the late 60s and had him talk about this stuff, or early 70s, something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the thing was, he, his main thing was, look, if you think you're funny, well, then go out and try to be funny. Don't. Re-, he said he used to go out, he, he, he went out to uh, Greenwich Village, wrote jokes and stories and read them, and he said people didn't give a shit. He says they have to – people have to have a connection with you. They have to like you. They right. have to know that the material is coming from you and from your soul and all that. And if you don't have that and it's not funny, then forget it. You know? uh, so if you're not – if you think you're funny but nobody's laughing, then you're not funny. <laughs> There's a lot of those people around and I may be one of them. But. Well, I don't know. The trucker thing was good. Yeah, thanks. But um, – I've got uh, one track off that album, which uh, many people have heard. I don't think I've played it on this one. It's that, uh, the Lost Generation thing, okay? which is a highbrow. It's just like the Lampoon thing. It's a little bit more gentle, but um, you've heard this one about the punching in the mouth. Yes. Yes. So we'll, we'll listen to that, and uh, we'll be back here with uh, Joe Osterley. Oh, yeah, that was the Advice thing I played before. Let's see if this is coming in.
5: I mentioned before that I was in Europe. It's not the first time that I was in Europe. I was in Europe many years ago with Ernest Hemingway.
3: <laughs>
5: Hemingway had just written his first novel, and Gertrude Stein and I read it, and we said that it was a good novel, but not a great one, that it needed some work, but it could be a fine book. And we laughed over it, and Hemingway punched me in the mouth. <laughs> that winter, Picasso lived on the Rue de Bach. He had just painted a picture of a naked dental hygienist in the middle of the Gobi Desert. (laughs) Gertrude Stein said it was a good picture, but not a great one. And I said it could be a fine picture. We laughed over it. Hemingway punched me in the mouth. I remember Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald came home from their wild New Year's Eve party. It was April. Scott had just written great expectations and <laughs> Gertrude Stein and I read it and we said it was a good book, but there was no need to have written it because Charles Dickens had already written it. <laughs> we laughed over it and Hemingway punched me in the mouth. <laughs> and that winter we went to Spain to see Manoletti fight, and he was looked to me 18, and Gertrude Stein said no, he was 19 but that he only looked 18. And I said, sometimes a boy of 18 will look 19, whereas other times a 19-year-old can easily look 18. That's the way it is with a true Spaniard. And we laughed over that. And Gertrude Stein punched me in the mouth.
0: Yeah, so that's a that, that's a real like hipster, highbrow, mid-60s yeah. kind of... Uh, uh, Vibe and groove, and still very good and very funny, and um, taking something that's, you know, uh, something that's in the in the realm of uh, whatever intellectuals, and um, I don't know. I guess bringing it down a peg, or well, they,
2: yes, absolutely. I mean, there is something very funny about you know being in on the joke, and then and then you do feel kind of you know, uh, intellectually superior. If right, can, right. If you can, like, can't oh, get I know those who, cultural references. Gertrude Stein is. Yes. Yeah. And then if you if you want to go to my uh, go to yeah. something I brought, it was kind of the converse. But uh, Bob you, and Ray find it. Bob and Ray were just brilliant comedians. Uh, as a matter of fact, oh what's yeah. His name uh, Chris Elliott is mm-hmm. the son of Bob and Ray. Not, <laughs> not, not not physically the son of Bob and Ray, but of
0: Bob Elliott.
2: Yes, <clears throat> whichever one of them was last named Elliott. And, I think uh, it was Bob. Yeah. And th- these guys are just brilliant. So I'm gonna, I want to play a little of there. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of the antithesis of that. This is just everyday kind of funny stuff. Right. But it's, it's just brilliant stuff. So if, if you would play this. Okay.
1: Uh, this is
7: a surprise time for me because I haven't had an opportunity to meet and talk with our next guest. <laughs> Incidentally, this, uh, this chair here sat... In Mary McGoon's dining room for years and years. I don't know if
8: that has any special meaning to you, sir. No. But would you sit there now and and tell us
7: your name, please? Harlow. P. Whitcomb.
8: And where are you from?
7: From Glens? Falls. New York. New York. And what do you do? I am the president and recording secretary. Secretary of the S T Oh. Hey. What does that stand B. for? Slow talkers of America. We believe in speaking slowly in forming your words, thoughts, our ideas And opinions clearly before speaking, we speak. We are here in New York City, in the city of New York, attending. A convention. Our annual convention. Membership convention. Convention. All of our members. All two hundred members. And fifty members. Seven members <laughs> are here speaking slowly, slowly so that you'll never be misunderstood. As opposed to the members of the F T O A. T O A. O. A. A. The fast caucus of America. Hawkers of America, of America. America. Our credo is to speak slowly. Goes <laughs> something like, like this. It. Would you lower the curtain,
0: please? Leave a lead. nervous
7: wreck.
0: Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Oh, that's
2: a great one, and that's just that's just a, a very nice. I mean, you, you've, you've got closer, you re- yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've really got to. You, you want you 've got to want to enjoy the comedy f- for this because it's it 's a build it 's a nice gradual build uh-huh. and then when it builds it really is i mean you can really just like just lose it in this stuff right. but it's some it's those guys were brilliant i remember uh I grew up on the east coast and I do remember there was a uh, there was a commer- they they did a they did a number of commercials in the seventies radio commercials right and there was a man who was like uh I'm I'm here with the world's most modest man and he goes, "Oh, I wouldn't say most modest." <laughs>
3: it's just like that is so fucking brilliant. Yeah. And he goes,
2: and we're 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 here at his home." Well, my modest home. <laughs> yeah. it was just but I mean, I'm with the world's most modest man Yeah, well, not the most modest. I love that.
0: It's perfect. It's um And you know what, I can't think I The one – I can't think of anybody else that operates like that. However, um, when we were playing that, I I told you that I realized that they they used um, that idea, uh, sort of the same idea for a couple of Monty Python sketches. Yeah. Which ones are you talking about? Oh, Oh, there was a a guy who was a film director, I think. Okay. And uh, he – Oh no, it wasn't the film director. He was interviewing a film director, but he spoke so slowly the direct the director kept like jumping in and you know, <laughs> it's like he he they they were uh they were watching uh clips of some film that he just he had just completed. Right. And it's like just you know, it's just clips of some some uh uh you know stock film of, of uh Romans um coming in and invading or something. But um, you know, the whole time he's speaking like
1: Python this.
2: Python is brilliant and I mean and, and seriously brilliant and they do a they do a, a similar th- not not exactly to Lampoon but they loved to show how smart they were you know I mean, Yeah exactly they love to reference. I learned
0: stuff from yeah. watching that show. <laughs> you could, I mean, there
2: was the, the Oscar Wilde sketch is one of my favorite ones. Oh yeah, yeah, and I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't want to do it and do it's it. Like, do it's like it's like a
0: British version of the Churchill wit yeah, thing, exactly. but done the way they would have done it.
2: It's brilliant. But I've got have got a nice Python here if you want to. Yeah, you wanna go yeah. That. I didn't
0: bring any Monty <laughs> Python. I've, I th- I might have some here, but I didn't. Uh, I've actually, got I've got, got um, what did I have on there? George Carlin, Patton Oswalt, Lenny Bruce, Bill Hicks. Um, yeah, well, a bunch of different stuff. Oh, yeah, uh, it's uh, Steve Martin. Uh, I got a Terry Jones. Derek and Clive.
2: <laughs> a Derek, Derek uh, I mean, not Derek. A Terry Jones song called Traffic Lights. Do you know this one?
0: Yes, I like Traffic Lights. Oh,
2: my God. It's the funniest thing. It's another it's thing. It's from the it's Contractual
0: like, o- Obligation album. Yes. Yes.
2: And it's, it's one of those things that if you're trying to write it, you, you would look at it and you say, this isn't going to work. Yeah. And then I don't even know if the other guys were in on the joke. The way he's doing it. Because you can hear them cracking up oh, really? during the song. You can hear some of them starting laughing. And maybe even Jones is laughing. Uh-huh. But it's... it's the. I mean, you, you think you know what Python is, and then you hear this one. and It's like it, it's really well, that's a how different I felt, kind of thing.
0: That's how I felt when I saw The the uh, Meaning of Life. You think you know what Python yeah. is about, yeah. and then you see that. Right. I was flabbergasted. I was like...
2: <laughs> I, I don't know that I... First, I'm, I was like, I didn't is this it. funny?
0: And then, and then I thought they're doing stuff that nobody else right. is doing, basically saying goodbye and fuck you. I think Not that's fuck what it you was. To, to to people, but to yeah. the whole comedy thing. It's like, well, this is, you know.
2: Yeah, we're sick of being in a group. We don't want to be a group anymore. Yeah. Leave us alone. We did it, you know. Yeah. And, and it, looking at it now, it's great. I mean, I definitely, I still think that the Holy Grail and uh, Life of Brian are superior films. Yes, yeah. But it's a, great great movie it's not it's not like it's a bad movie at all yeah well it's, it's like it's like it's you know it's How can it not be?
0: like python evolved about you know 10 generations further yeah. and um it's like watching one of their old shows except it's like i said it the, the, like evolved 10 generations further to the point where you don't even realize it's them anymore right if, they, if it had not been them in that movie you probably wouldn't have known it was them that wrote it yeah yeah
9: that's very
2: possible yeah <laughs> you want to want to play traffic lights yeah yeah
9: all right here we go I like traffic lights, I like traffic lights, I like traffic lights, no matter where they've been. I like traffic lights, 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 but only when they're green. He likes likes traffic traffic lights. He likes traffic lights. lights. He likes traffic lights, lights. no matter matter where they've been. He likes traffic lights. He likes traffic lights. He likes traffic lights, lights. but only when they're green. I like traffic lights. I I like traffic lights. I like traffic lights. That is what I said. I like traffic lights. I like traffic lights. I like traffic lights. But not when they are red.
5: He likes
9: traffic lights. He likes traffic lights. That is what he said. He likes traffic lights. He likes traffic lights. He likes traffic lights. lights he likes traffic lights, he likes traffic lights, but not when they are are red. I like traffic lights, I like traffic lights, I like traffic lights, although my name's not Bamba. I I like traffic lights, I like traffic lights, I like traffic lights. I, oh, God.
2: <laughs> I love that one, and it's similar to the Bob Maray like we were just talking about. It's similar yeah. to the Bob Marry where there's the whole misdirection. You, it, they get you thinking that here's the joke's going to be right over here to your right, yeah. and suddenly it's three, it's three blocks down on your left, and it's just, it's just a really nice misdirection. Uh-huh. Which is, this is, I, I love that particular bit because it's so stupid. But if you're in the right <laughs> frame of mind, it can, it can make you laugh for five minutes.
0: Yeah, it's. Um it's, it, it's this old thing about if you explain something, it's not funny anymore. Right, right. <clears throat> and that's, it's a weird thing about comedy and um, good writing even, not even that's not even comedy is that if you start explaining what's going on there, you've completely taken the, you know, the aha moment there or the, you know, having your, your train of thought tripped up, which is right. what starts the laughter is, is just not going to work. Well,
2: comedy, comedy is all about surprise. You, can't, you cannot expect the joke. I, I I just did a, a an a, an animated thing on my website, and I I wrote a joke in my sleep. I've never written a a set set punch joke before in my life. I mean, I know they exist. You know, guys walk into a bar, and this is what yeah, happens. Yeah, exactly. And I wrote one, and I, I thought it was so fucking funny. I remember being—I I remember exactly lampoon where I was. Lampoon used
0: to fuck with those all the time, yeah, but I actually wrote a
2: real one. I uh-huh. mean, I didn't—I didn't take it the other way like the lampoon does. Right, right. I mean, I actually wrote a set, set punch, uh-huh. and I was like, "Wow, wow, that feels." <laughs> I, I wrote it in my sleep. I actually dreamt it. Uh-huh. I, I remember. I remember not that it means anything, but I happened to be in Paris at the time, and I woke up laughing, and my girlfriend. You know it's like, why are you laughing in your sleep <laughs> i'm like, I think I just wrote a very funny joke so so here we go I'm gonna, i haven 't told it in a while, but i 'm going to try and, and and tell this joke and it was just a joke that came to me in my sleep. Three guys are sitting in a bar there is a uh, who is there A oh an Englishman, a Texan, and an italian yeah. all, right. all right, and they're all bragging about their sons so the the Englishman. He goes, uh, well, my son, uh, well, you know, of course, he's very wealthy, very successful man. He uh, graduated in the top ten at Oxford, and he now uh, – oh, for, forgive for, forgive this. I didn't realize what he to do. This. But uh, my son, he graduated top ten in Oxford, and he now owns uh, – he now is the president of the world's largest oil company. And the Texan goes, well, that's very nice. My son – he graduated top five at Texas A and M, and oh, oh uh, and he and he he is, owns the world's largest oil company, and he makes fifteen million dollars. Uh, I, I forgot to say that the Englishman. This is not good when you yeah. scratch. Can we? Can, 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 this is all. No wait wait of, wait wait. 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 wait, wait, wait. Start a, a little minute. Little Let, Let me down. do it again. All right. all right, all right, The Englishman says, "Hey, my son, he, he, now and now, suddenly, I'm I'm John Lennon. My son, he works. <laughs> My son, he, he graduated top top ten in Oxford. He's uh, president of the world's largest oil company, and he makes ten million dollars a year. All right, the Texan. Well, my son, he graduated top five at Texas A and M, he, and he's the president of the world's largest oil company, and he makes fifteen million dollars. And the Italian guy is like, uh, my son, my son has a dark and a thick, hairy pubic bush. <laughs> and when he's erect, his penis, it's over five and a half inches long. <laughs> and the, the Irish, the uh, the English guy, the Texan guy, they're looking at each other and like, and your point is, and he goes, my son, he's only three years old. <laughs>
3: Uh, that's, a, that's a lot
2: funnier <laughs> if I tell it straight and I haven't been drinking. Which I have been. <laughs> but it's a funny joke. No, but, no, I, but I, it was I, like I wrote I, I actually wrote that in my sleep and I thought, Oh, okay, I'm gonna animate that one day and I did animate it and it's on my <laughs> website. <laughs> And I didn't fuck up the, any of the setup. Well, yeah,
0: it's yeah. Like, you know I can't do it. I, that's why I don't I don't prefer to do things in front of people. I yeah. prefer to write them. I, because I, I, because I oh I fucked was, up. You know I'm not yeah. going to present that to you till you tell I've. <laughs>
2: no, I, I feel terrible to your listening audience. It's a lot funny. And as a
0: matter of fact, I'll
2: be at the Georgian. Where is it? The Georgian Hotel in Santa Monica and i'm i'm doing a story on the ghosts of the georgian hotel it's on i didn't know there were Ocean ghosts there Avenue. yeah there are apparently
0: How, is that the uh the uh, ghosts um from the chaplin film
2: i'm not really sure i'm going in i've
0: read that there are different ghosts oh you I know have. what it's not a hotel the chaplin film um what was it called it was called like you know, auto race or something. They actually had this little, like, model car race oh, yeah? in, in Venice. And one of the actors, I guess, died in one of the rooms. But now it's like a health center or something like that. It's not a hotel.
2: Oh. Okay. No, the Georgian has been there for a long time. It's kind of across the street from the the pier. I mean, you certainly see the pier from there. Yeah. And it's I know that there are ghost stories from there. So I'm just going to go in there and chat up the bartender and see if I can get some leads. But if anybody wants to hear me do that joke correctly... The uh, the Englishman, the Texan, and the Italian. I'll be at the Georgian <laughs> <laughs> about ten thirty, <1030, laughs> drinking. So you can come by and. And, and,
0: and any other jokes? Yeah,
2: and I'm I'm happy to buy anybody a beer who says they heard me on Greg's show.
0: Okay. Uh. Let's see. Uh, hey, da- David, how long? How late can we go? Well, I don't know. Maybe another half hour. Yeah. Oh, cool. Excellent. Thank you. Yay, David!
1: Well, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: as long as you read my blurb. and, and
0: don't Well, I'll find it, it. And don't
1: mind the... Uh, I picked the wrong word, Spell check didn't... Okay, oh, so
0: okay. the next show is letting us go a little bit late. Um, uh, I got some Lenny Bruce here. Uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Uh,
2: oh, my God. Do you have that one? I meant to bring that. The It was just an exercise in... In vulgarity. Do you have that one?
0: Well, a lot of their stuff is an exercise in vulgarity. The, the Derek and Clive piece I bought is, a, bought is a minute long, and it's the best thing they ever did. Okay,
2: because the one I'm thinking of is about five minutes long. I've got it somewhere, but I don't have it marked. But, yeah, I would love to hear it.
0: Okay. I was going to end with this one, but it's, it's, like I said, this is one of my favorite pieces of comedy ever. Um, and it is so oblique, there is no way you can actually explain it, which is why I love it so much. And, um, you know, it's weird. I found it online because I can't find the my, my vinyl copy of this, which is a Derek and Clive live album. Right. It's just this plain white thing. It says Derek and Clive live. I've got like, th- I guess, what did they put out? Three or four different records. Yeah, I guess so. I got them all on vinyl. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I was looking around, I couldn't find the record, but I found this online and usually they put like, you know, little snippets online so that you'll buy the album. Right. The thing right. is only a minute long. So the whole thing got on there. <laughs> <laughs> so I got lucky. Um, this is uh, Derek and Clive, which is Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, usually when they're extremely drunk, sitting in a studio right, just right. just making stupid jokes, um, and they range ev- anywhere from incredibly hilariously gut-splittingly funny to completely stupid, and you have to be really drunk like them to think it's as funny as they do right right <laughs> and uh, oh, and uh, my theory is that uh, Dudley Moore would never been heard of unless uh, Peter Cook had been around. That's very possible. Because I don't think Peter uh, – Dudley Moore was in any way, shape, or form tall and, enough. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. tall enough to – to uh, you know, he was a funny guy. Yeah. But he – I don't think – if he hadn't been around with Peter Cook, I don't know if he would have gone as far as he did. Did you ever see Bedazzled?
2: I, I did a long time ago, and it was before – I mean, as a kid – and I remember seeing a bit of it as an adult and thinking, "Oh, I remember that." Yeah, but it, I didn't. I saw it before ten. It was a right. Okay, Eric
0: I movie. saw. I, oh, right. Okay, no, I. You mean I'm I'm talking about the original Bedazzled? Yeah, no, I'm like talking about yeah, one, which I didn't uh, even give the time of day to go see. Yeah, Peter cooks the devil. Yes. Yeah. Um, somebody posted the uh, entire soundtrack to that online, so I pulled some <laughs> of the songs off it too. The one where he's uh, the singing star and he's just telling all the women to go away, and he doesn't want them around. And they right, all like I said, him. it's been a long time since yeah. I've seen it,
2: but it's a good movie.
0: But yeah, you, and you can, you know, Peter Cook. Um, Uh, Wrote the movie. Dudley Moore did the music for it. And um, it works perfectly together. They worked perfectly together. But like I said, I think uh, Peter Cook was the brains behind the operation and the funny guy. And he's the one that ended up, you know, poor and drunk and dying, you know. Um, They're both dead now, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Dudley Moore, I think, got uh, MS or something. He got some degenerative disease. Right. Um, um, Peter Cook's was drinking a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) um, this piece is from Derek and Clive Live, and it's just called Cancer. And. (laughs) I don't. I'm not even going to explain it when it's over.
9: I heard that uh, George Stitt had uh, moved away from uh, the uh, the Wilston area and uh, gone up uh, around Chadwell Heath.
5: <laughs> Cancer.
9: Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, it's
8: funny you should say that because you remember Enid, who used to. Um, Live across the road at number 104.
5: Yeah, just next to 105.
8: Yeah. Right. Mm. Uh, she's now working at the United Dairies down Green Lane.
5: What, Cancer? Yeah. Christ. Remember the Nolan twins? Oh, yeah. Fifi. F- Ron- Fifi Nolan. And, and, and Ronnie. And Ronnie Nolan, yeah. yeah. They've taken up darts. Cancer? Yeah. <laughs>
0: And um, there's this pause. I didn't get all of it. But there's this pause for about two or three seconds. And then people start screaming with laughter. Yeah. That is one of the best comedy bits I've ever heard.
2: Those guys are great. There's some. I mean, you got you got to search a little on the internet, but you can find some very funny stuff, very funny Peter Cook, Dudley Moore stuff. Very just exercise in vulgarity. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, that, that's the Derek and Clive stuff. Yeah. I also had something. It's it's too long though. It's uh, it's the uh, thing they did on Saturday Night Live, the the Frog and Peach thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I thought we were gonna play that. We don't have to. Uh, there's something you want to play off of here? Let's we'll go back and forth. here.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh... Well, know, so let's it, go back. Let's just because it's it's me. Here, here's me singing a little song off of the Lampoon album. Okay, this one is uh, called "Wieners and Waffles."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good restaurant.
2: Oh God, it's I'm doing a little a little um, Adam Sandler and a little Burt Lar, cowardly lion fan. <laughs> So see if you can figure out which, when I'm doing what. But here it is. Wieners and Waffles, Joe Osterly off of National Lampoon's Rules of the Road comedy album. You're wanting me to
5: pick out of the crowd of the people coming along this street. Someone who... Sounds like Coyle and Sharp, actually. What the hell?
2: Hold on. Osterly not knowing what he's doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. This is a... this This is me. All
1: right. All right.
9: And waffles,
8: waffles, and weeders added falafel food cooked by peanuts, Cheetos, and ding dong, nobles, and Fritos, two liter Pepsi, Grande Burrito. Salads and tofu, green tea and carrots. Loads up for rabbits, and mixed shitty faggot. Pork, brown, and cheese, they'll Lostner
0: Once again, I don't have to say, "Oh, it's nice," because I because you're a friend of mine and I know you that actually was good ah. and funny and shows what you can you can do with uh, a lot of echo. <laughs> <on> your voice.
7: and <laughs> Okay, there wasn't that much echo. It actually you actually had
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's on that uh, same rules of the road. Album.
2: Same rules of the road. We uh-huh. actually got on uh, Dr. Demento. That was a cool. That was a cool story. To uh, I, I contacted Dr. Demento, and uh, during uh, during a weekend. And on Monday, my office mate at the Lampoon, he's like, "Joe, Dr. Demento's on the phone for you." And like, oh <laughs> my god! And I go, yeah. "What did he do? What did he do?" And he goes, "Wait, well, he answered. Yeah, how do he answer the phone?" And he goes, "This is Dr. D." And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. I can't wait. <laughs> so I run back to the office, and I pick up my phone, and I go, this is Joe waiting for it. This is Dr. Demento. Yeah. He goes, hi, Joe, this is Colin Hanson. <laughs> I'm like,
3: what? No, <laughs> oh, no, I
2: want the Dr. Demento thing. And he's like, yeah. He goes, oh, do you really want me to do it? I'm like, no, no, not now. It's, not, it's, not it's uh, Barry be. Hansen, is it? Barry, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I couldn't remember the last name, but I remember his first name was Barry. Oh,
2: okay, yeah. So as a matter of fact, I tried to get him for uh, Weird Hollywood, but he has yet to return my call uh, and email. But I, that would be a great get.
0: But Yeah, that's another thing I used to listen to when I was a teenager. I used to listen to Dr. Demento. I mean, that was, you yeah. know, you can, if you listen to my show at all, you can tell that I used to listen <laughs> to his show. Well, I I
2: interviewed uh, Robbie Rist, for, who played Cousin Oliver, and he was who? the... Robbie Rist, Cousin, Cousin Oliver on The Brady Bunch.
0: Oh, okay, okay,
2: yeah. He was also the voice of Michelangelo in the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle (laughs) uh, movies, and he was – I think he was in the original Battlestar Galactica too, but a great guy, very funny guy, and and, and a musical genius. He plays guitar and drums, mandolin and bass and, and banjo, and he just does a whole lot of shit, but he was telling me that he was a big Dr. Demento fan too. And, uh, Robbie Risk gave me a great, great quote for the book. And, uh, I, let me see if I get it right, but this, I love this quote. He said that Hollywood treats, it's, he was just, he was just explaining how like, uh, Hollywood will get rid of buildings, you know, Los Angeles specifically, right, right. Like, we'll just get rid of buildings, buildings that have all kinds of, like they just got rid of the ambassador. Right. Now, how do you get rid of the ambassador? I mean, really. I mean 19 Grove, Kennedy
0: assassination. Exactly. The, what are you going to, you know, there's a how lot they do that?
2: There's a lot of reason to keep it there just historically. Okay. And Robbie Wrist was kind of belaboring that point. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to go to the old uh, Brown Derby after this thing, too. I'm going to the Georgia and then I'm going, the Brown Derby is now like a karaoke yeah, nightclub. in Koreatown. In Koreatown. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go and check it out. I Oh, hey, it's my phone. Hold on.
0: Well, well uh, Joe gets his phone. Uh, sort of the... Uh, history of uh, comedy. Oh, you were oh, just hanging right, up. Let me, let me
2: pick it up. Rich. Hey, I'm on, the, I'm on a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on a radio I'm show. doing a radio this show. My Leave me alone. Rich I'm on a radio show, Rich Karras. Rich Karras is a very funny man himself. He's in my improv group and oh, he's okay. a stand-up comic. But, uh, Rich, can I
0: call you back? <laughs>
2: All right. All right, I'll call you back in a little bit. Bye-bye.
0: Oh, dear. Okay, um... Completely switching gears, uh, you have any Lenny Bruce?
2: I I don't have any Lenny Bruce. I should have Lenny Bruce, shouldn't I? Yes, I've got, I've got his books, but I don't think I have anything. Yeah, on my uh, own. well, there's well, yeah, no, there's like one them.
0: that was like a sort of book, and then there was one that was like, I guess sort of co-ringer ghost- Yeah, the uh, that's what, Goldman that's the one book. I have, yeah, yeah one. and then there's um, his book uh, how to how to uh, what was it? how to talk dirty and influence people. Yeah, which was published by Playboy Press in the early '60s, I believe. Um, I've got a first printing of it somewhere. Anyway, um, <clears throat> if you saw that documentary on uh, Lenny Bruce on um, HBO or something like that, about four or five, no longer than that ago. Anyway, um, it turned out that the, you know, the obscenity wasn't what people were pissed off about in the authorities. What the authorities were pissed off about was the church stuff. Right, so they got him shut down because of uh, they, he offended Catholics, Catholic judges, Catholic cops, Catholic you know whatever. Are you but
2: synced? Are you synced up to something? Because I've got a great religious bit right here, George Carlin's religion.
0: Oh, okay. Your well, name? let's let's play the Lenny Bruce one, which, oh, okay. is, which is short. It's um, it's two and a half minutes. All right, we'll um, follow
2: it up with two minutes and six seconds of George Carlin doing. Okay, religion.
0: yeah, I, I had some George Carlin here too, but yeah, that's that my favorite a good Carlin bit ever. And, and Carlin, I love Carlin, Carlin did actually um. He got busted, I think, at a club at the same time Lenny Bruce was, and he rode in the paddy wagon with him. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he, he tells a, he tells a story about that that I've heard. I've heard him tell somewhere. I can't remember. Maybe it was written down, but uh, yeah, he said that was like a big influence, being you know sitting in the same <laughs> paddy wagon with Lenny Bruce being taken to the to the police station in New York. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the, the stuff that Lenny Bruce did, um. You wouldn't hear you know, some I guess somebody else would have done it, but you wouldn't be hearing Bill Hicks or or or, or um uh, who was the guy that came out from Texas with him? The guy that died. The other guy that Henderson. died Sam Kinison, any of those people. Um, I'm absolutely certain and a lot of comics back this up. I'm not a comic, but that uh Lenny was kind of he went in and, and laid the tracks for that.
2: Well there's, there's certainly Lenny Mortsall, George yes, Carlin, yes, and definitely. Richard Pryor. And Richard Pryor are Payer. all those they, those guys. Actually were the they those guys came time. after Lenny Bruce, right. but
0: they're all influenced by him and, and yeah. they all stood on his shoulders and went uh, forward.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I guess Mortsall w- wasn't a contemporary. Well
0: Mortsall actually kind of was. All right. Um, actually, actually, Bruce used to make fun of him in his <laughs> <laughs> it uh, routines. Um, people have probably heard this one before. It's, uh, it's called to is a preposition and come is a verb. Yeah. To
3: preposition. To
6: is a preposition. Come is a verb. To is a preposition. Come is a verb. To is a preposition. Come is a verb. The verb intransitive. To Come. To come I've heard these two words my whole adult life And as a kid when I thought I was sleeping To come To come It's been like a big drum solo Did you come? Did you come good? 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 Rest with our teeth, I come better with you, sweetheart Than anyone in the whole goddamn world Everybody really came so good. And it came so good because I love
3: you. Everybody
6: really came so good. I come better with you, sweetheart. Than anyone in the whole world. Everybody really came so good. So good. But. Don't come in me. Don't come in me. Don't come in me, 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 don't come in me, 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 don't come in me. Don't come in me, me, don't come in me. I can't come. Because you don't love me, that's why I can't come. I love you, I just can't come. That's my hang-up. I can't come and I'm loaded, all right? Because you don't love me. Just what the hell is the matter with you? What has that got to do with loving you? I just can't come, that's all. Right. Now, if anyone in this room of the world finds those two words decadent, obscene, Immoral, amoral, asexual. The words to come really make you feel uncomfortable. If you come rank for saying it to you, you the beholder gets ranked for
0: listening to it, you probably can't come. Yeah, incredible stuff from Lenny. Uh, we were just talking about um, uh, the different comedians at the time, uh, one of them being... Uh, Von Meter, who was, who made a whole career of making fun of the Kennedys in a bunch of uh, those... I think they're called First Family albums. They yes, tried to exactly. do it... With, did he do it with the LBJ? Did he do that LBJ
2: Ranch album? I don't remember. I, that's very possible he did because he needed something after after the Kennedys died.
0: Yeah, and I was telling Joe that the uh, anecdote about uh, Lenny Bruce is that uh, he had to go on stage at night on November 22nd of 1963 either that night or the next night you know people are waiting to see what the hell he's going to say when right. he comes out on right. stage and he um, apparently came out there stood there for a second staring at the floor and he kind of quietly said you know Von Meter is screwed <laughs> and that was his opening for yeah. you know to break the ice which is perfect I mean it was you know it's it. it you know to me comedians like that stand ups are are like listening to great musicians or or whatever composers no oh, i agree or and in the case of a uh, stand up like that like a like a jazz musician or something you gotta come out there and come up with something right there on the spur of the moment that's you know I'm sure he thought about it beforehand like anybody else, but listening to lenny Bruce to me it sounds like the the music of that time it's like listening to um uh 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 what, Charlie Parker or something like that, except the guy is doing it with words and the guy is, you know, talking and uh, that's one thing very important about comedy that I wanted to uh, mention or talk about is that it's there for the same reason a court jester was there in the in the in the king's court, you know, in in the Middle Ages or whatever. Well, another guy like to that. tell the truth in the guise of a joke to get people, especially the king, to realize what was going on. Yeah. Everybody laughs about it, but then at some point, maybe he realizes it's a problem. He has to do something about it.
2: Another guy like that in the same. who came from roughly the same era and is still around as George Carlin. Right. and my girlfriend i think it was last year for my birthday she got us she got me a uh, third row george carlin and seriously to see the guy in person is is a religious experience, experience. Yeah. Yeah. and it's it and i've seen him 3 times have you really one wow. time
0: at the comedy store in the front fucking row
2: i saw richard Pryor in the comedy store oh, in the yeah? front yeah oh yeah yeah right. and and he had you know whatever what did he have uh he had MS or something. Yeah, he had he? MS. I remember seeing him like, and it was. Uh, I do remember like being there, and and there was some guy up there, and he was actually not too bad, you know. But it was like a Tuesday night, yeah. And some guy gets up there, and he'd been doing some impersonations, and he's and you know he would turn his back, you know, he'd take the uh, take the microphone, turn his back to the audience, and say now, uh, oh. Jack Nicholson's walking in, and, and yeah. Ed McMahon's walking He was doing all the easy impressions. Right, right. But he was still funny. And then he goes, you know, some guy walks up to the stage and, and hands him a piece of piece of paper. He goes, ladies and gentlemen, we are really, really honored tonight to have a special guest, Mr. Richard Pryor. <laughs> and I expected him to turn around with his back. Yeah. And suddenly, Richard Pryor, and this is 1988, 89, or whatever it was, and he's walking up like, I mean... It, I mean it took him it took him fifteen minutes to get from the front of the comedy store to the stage. Yeah. I mean the back of the comedy store to the stage. Right, right. And he got up there and I was just like waiting to to die laughing. And Richard Pryor was doing nothing. He was just talking about his day. He took the microphone, and talked about his day, said that he was uh taking a shower and the soap fell and his maid had to pick it up and I'm like, All right, here comes the joke and he's like and then she handed me the soap, and I said, thank you very much. And she <laughs> walked. <laughs> like, wait a, but, like, I, I didn't care because I was seeing Richard Pryor. Right, I mean, right. I didn't care that he wasn't impressing me because he had impressed me on the Sunset Strip album, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. years before, 10 years before. And I was laughing at every stupid thing the man said. Yeah. It wasn't funny. It wasn't good. But I yeah, was giving was, him laughs exactly. for, the, for he, the time I he watched, wasn't, listened to it on an, in an A-track.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He wasn't come. That wasn't the joke. It wasn't as if Andy Kaufman had come out because right. then you'd really be wondering. I don't have any recorded Andy Kaufman with me, but he's another one that's just like so far away from everybody else. Yeah. and it worked. Right. I mean, there's a lot of people that are far away from everybody else and they suck. But his his stuff just worked. And you know, his whole shtick it seemed to be. And everybody realizes this was just to see how uncomfortable he could make people feel. Yeah, definitely. As a matter of
2: fact, I was. And, I, and if
0: you don't take it so goddamn seriously, stepping outside of that, that's his joke. I was speaking to Melanie Chartoff today. Uh-huh, uh, you uh-huh. remember Melanie Chardoff from she Fridays? She
2: was from Fridays, yeah. And she was uh, principal Musso on Parker Stephen Parker Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Yeah, yeah. And she's debating whether she wants to do the book, uh, a story for Weird Hollywood. You know, she's told the Andy Kaufman story plenty of times, but do you remember the Friday's bit where Andy Kaufman yes. just, it's called the marijuana sketch? Uh huh. And I think him and Michael Richards, who plays Kramer from Seinfeld, right, right. were in on it, uh-huh. but the rest of the cast and the crew were not in on it. And Melanie Chardoff happened to be in that skit. And Andy Cal- and the whole, the, uh, the basis of the skit is there's four people, two, two couples are having dinner, dinner yeah, at an yeah, expensive restaurant, restaurant. Yeah. and each one of them excuses themselves to go to the restaurant, and they come back, and each one of them, unbeknownst to the other, has just gotten stoned. Yeah. So that's the premise of the skit.
0: You, you can find this on YouTube.
2: Yes, you can. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. And you, can, you can find it. So what winds up happening is uh, I think one of the, the the other woman, who's not Melanie Chardoff, goes to the bathroom and she comes back, and I think the next guy is, is uh, Kaufman. And he comes back... But he stops following the script, and he just goes, you know what, guys? I can't do it. This isn't funny. It's not a funny script. It's not a funny sketch. (laughs) And he leaves. It seems like he's leaving three other actors out there hanging, but he's really leaving two. But he's still leaving two uh, actors because Michael Richards is in on it. And he does this whole thing, and Melanie Charnoff actually throws butter in his face or hits him with water or something like that. yeah. And so... So she didn't know at the time. I was just talking to her today. She didn't know at the time. And, yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy thing to do on live television. Yeah. To just say, screw it. I'm not doing the script. Uh-huh. And that's, uh huh. Then that's a little bit of who Andy Kaufman was.
0: Yeah, not just a little him, bit. But, yeah. You think anybody else would ever you know. That's a, way brilliant, down- that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. I mean, way down there, are they thinking, we're going to get to work again? He didn't give a shit.
2: Right. I mean, I think he worked. it. Like, he might. may very well be. Yeah, he
0: may very well, yeah, be. He may very well yeah. be still alive. I spoke
2: to a guy. Uh, who tells me that he's uh, Jim Morrison's agent? <laughs> Jim Morrison apparently is is cutting trees on a ranch in Oregon now. And okay. If, if you want, Bill Gerald Pitts is. Uh, I don't. I don't know the website, but Gerald Pitts, Jim Morrison, look that up, and
1: he oh, okay. he will he
2: will guarantee you that Jim Morrison's still alive. You're not going to be able to talk to Jim because you got to you got to pony up some money <laughs>
3: before before you get to you well, talk a, to Jim. Well, a couple but,
0: of years ago, there was a. Uh, what was his name? Tony the Tiger? No, no, no the 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 the, uh, the comedian guy that uh, Kaufman used to do. Oh, Fox right. Uh,
2: yes, um, I'm, I'm blanking, but I know yeah, exactly what you're talking
0: about. Yeah, a couple years ago there was a Tony... He's basically,
2: his Vic Ferrari kind of guy, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, there was a website I think a couple years ago. Tony is back. The big He's... fat guy. He wore a big fat suit, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah. And he was on um, Taxi once and pissed everybody off. Right. Got thrown off the set. Yeah. You know, and and um, and nobody can ever tell when it's either Bob Zemuda, who was his friend yeah. and his uh, co-writer, or or Kaufman doing it. They put on the same makeup and right. do, you know put on the same voice and all that. Um, I think there's at least one biography of Kaufman around. Oh, I'm sure there. Is. No, there's two. Yeah. One is Zemuda's, and somebody wrote another one. I think. Okay. Yeah. However, you had the George Carlin. I here. do have a George Carlin. <laughs> Back <laughs> speaking, to the
2: point. Speaking of religion, were we? It doesn't matter. This is George Carlin, one of my favorite comedians of all times, doing my favorite bit of all times.
4: But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars. They pay no taxes and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. Thank you. Thank you. But, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, well, it cuts into the next one. I had a George Carlin. It's not as good as that one. It's the one about, um, uh, how, about, uh, about how some people are stupid. Um, Two of my other favorites working right now are uh, Joe Rogan and uh, Patton Oswalt. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, how many Bill Hicks albums do you have?
2: I've got Arizona Bay, Restless. Uh huh. That may be it, but I you don't do.
0: have Rant E Minor.
2: I may. It's very possible I do. I know I've heard it.
0: That's the, that's the best one. Um, and the best track off that one. Can I play that one? While you search? Oh, yeah, got Oh, you're about to play some? No, no, no. I go got to yank oh, the uh, the uh, lead off of his iPod. We're kind of doing a uh, tag team iPod here. Um, this is the best thing Bill Hicks ever did. When he did rant knee minor, he realized that he had pancreatic cancer. And I think at that point, he didn't know if he was going to live or die. And he probably just said, screw it. I don't care what people think. I'm going to say whatever I want. And it's, consequently, it's his best album. Um, and this is the best track off it. And it's called Rush Limbaugh. <laughs>
10: Speaking of Satan, uh, I was watching Rush Limbaugh the other day. did not Rush Limbaugh remind you of one of those gay guys who likes to lay in a tub while other men pee on him? <laughs> Am I the only one? Can't you see his fat body in a tub while Reagan, Quayle, and Bush just psh, just stand around pissing on him, and he can't—his little piggly wiggly dick can't get hard. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I can't get hard. Reagan, pee in my mouth. Well, how's that, Rush? Still can't get hard, so they call in Barbara Bush. She takes her pearls off, puts them up his ass, then squats over him, undoes her girdle. Her wrinkled flaccid labia unfolds halfway down to her knees like some ballless scrotum.
3: Uh, uh, uh.
10: She squeezes out a link into his mouth. Finally, his dick gets half hard. Oh! A little clear bubble forms on the end with a maggot inside. The maggot pops the bubble and runs off and joins a pro life group somewhere. Am I the only one that sees that, or am I not? Thank God I'm not alone. Thank God I had the insight to notice Rush Limbaugh is a scat muncher. He munches scat (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Bill (laughs) I'm so proud of that little dark poetry there Started, I came up with the word scat muncher And it went from there And I just immediately thought of Rush
0: (laughs) That is the most vicious piece of political humor I've heard, I think, ever <laughs> and it's not even, you know, the, he doesn't even deal with any issues on that one. It's just pure hate. Right, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's fuck you, Rush Limbaugh. That's all that is.
0: Yeah, and there's and there's plenty of other things on all of his albums where he does deal with issues and he does deal right. with facts and he does deal with what these people have done. So, you know, and plus he's into UFOs and, and uh, Kennedy Assassination, so he's cool with me. <laughs> I actually uh, interviewed his um, his uh, friend and producer. Um, now I can't remember his name. The guy that produced Arizona Bay and all that. He was kind of his producer for a while. And he told me stories about them actually going to um, his father's ranch and doing mushrooms and what happened to them. So I talked to him about, you know their mushroom trips right. and the UFO stuff that happened on the mushroom trips. And, you know, the whole thing about him, he, you know, after he, I said, what happened to bill after he, after he did the mushroom, he goes, guy was so straight edge. He went to LA with Sam Kinnison and all that. Right. And he, he wouldn't even drink. And by the time he came back, he was like, we're going to get some mushrooms. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Booth. Okay. We're going to get some mushrooms, Kevin. Oh my God. You know, he said, okay. So they went out to the r- ranch and they started doing mushrooms. And he said that, um, he said for a while he was just like oh my god you know and he made a joke on one of his albums you know I'm, I'm going to give everybody mushrooms because he went on stage once on mushrooms and he killed he right. did a great job and then, you know after that he came off came off stage he's like Kevin we got to get you know I got to do mushrooms every show <laughs> and this, you know and then he went and did the next time nothing yeah. sucked
2: yeah I've done that I've done that both drinking and pot, you know, yeah. trying to think like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'll do my improv. And the first time you try it, yeah, it's it's completely new and and the next time it's not so bad, but after a while it just you know, it, it's all about it's all about your where your head is before you hit the stage, I think. Oh, okay. So if it is you know, if the very fact that you're you're anxious because you're stoned out of your head, you know, you you wind up compensating for that, and like, oh wow, I've never been stoned out of my head before. I better be hyper aware, and you are hyper aware. Yeah. So it makes you funnier. But once you get comfortable being stoned out of your head on stage, you're not hyper aware of it anymore. You're just like a stoned out of my person. Head. Yeah. And now it's not <laughs> as funny. It's probably it's like worse. being in
0: a room of a bunch of people who aren't stoned who don't find it funny. Yeah.
2: yeah. But I mean, not to say that you can't you can't write that way or you can't you can't experience things that way. But I wouldn't recommend. Trying to perform every time you get on stage uh-huh. in a heightened uh, right. sense of awareness.
0: Well, I've never done that, and I don't perform. Uh, and I, I don't think I'm going to. I'm just I, – I do lectures, and uh, you get stoned before do one of those. Is <laughs> something else you want to play, we got about uh, – since we said we get a half hour, we've got like four minutes. All right. Well, uh, we let's We can see. run it You know, a minute or so on either side. It's fine.
2: How about a little uh, – well, speaking of uh, getting stoned, Cheech and Chong.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. That was the thing. You, you know what? You would, you would listen to Cheech and Chong, and you would graduate into George Carlin. Remember that? Yes, that's true. Sister Mary
2: Elephant <laughs> uh-huh. took you to took you to George Carlin.
0: But yeah, here, it's seven words. You, you know, yeah. Cheech and Chong, never swear, and then you hear seven words, and you go, oh, my God. Right. It's like, it's like the mad crack to lampoon it's deal. It's exactly what it was. Yeah.
2: And here's, here's uh, Cheech and Chong doing the classic. Now, now, if you're any Lost fans out here, I was very thrilled when I found out that Hurley's friend Dave, do you remember are You were Lost? I never even I, Hurley had this imaginary friend Dave, and nobody else really saw him. And
0: I can hear what's th- there was a whole
2: thing about well, maybe Dave's not here, yeah. you know. <laughs> but then there's the Cheech and Chong bit of Dave's not here, uh-huh. and I felt like I, I'm one of those guys that gets on Lost blogs and blogs about it and oh, stuff okay. like that. And I felt so vindicated when l- the next year. They show you Hurley as a kid. Right. His father. Uh huh. Is Cheech. His father's Uh-oh. name? Yeah. David. Okay. So I'm thinking, wow, I I caught the Dave's not here thing right, right. way before I was supposed to. I really, I mean, there's plenty of things I'm wrong about Lost with you know on a, <laughs> on, a on a on a weekly basis, but I felt so vindicated uh-huh. that I caught this. And here's the classic Cheech and Chong, Dave's not
6: here. Oh wow. Who is it? It's me, Dave. Open up, man. I got the stuff. Who is it? It's
10: me, Dave. Man, open up. I got the stuff. Who? It's Dave, man. Open up. I think the cops saw me come in here. What the? Who is it? It's, it's
7: Dave, man. Will you open up? I got the stuff with me. Who? Dave, man. Open up. Dave? Yeah, Dave. Come on, man. Open up. I think the cops Dave's saw me. Dave's
1: not here.
7: Open up the door. It's Dave. Who? Dave. D-A-V-E. Will you open up the goddamn Dave? door? Yeah, Dave. Dave?
6: Right, man. Dave. Now, will you open up the door? Dave's not here.
0: Oh. <laughs> Absolutely, classic stuff. I love that bit. Uh, you know, uh, the the comedy that I tend to like the most is um, stuff that will probably offend a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Be, because it. Um, what's the reason? the The, the reason is. Well, see, people don't like to think about uncomfortable shit, and it's very important that they do. I think
2: it's also the reason, like I, I was saying before, it's also the reason you can't help but laugh when someone gets hit in the balls. Yeah, it's funny. It really yeah. is funny. If you stage it, it's not as funny. But if you're walking down the street and somebody happens to trip on a trip on a piece of curb and and land on their balls on a on a fire hydrant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but I'm going to laugh a lot before I yell for him a hand. And it's I, only because I can't stop
0: laughing. Yeah. I had a friend that said, well, there ought to be a kind of comedy where somebody doesn't come out on the shit end of the stick. No, and I there said, is no such there thing. There is no such yeah. thing. There he really goes, is. what about Fireside Theater? And I said, no. <laughs> Fire sign Theater, the shit end of the stick was the straights. Right, right. So no,
2: there has to be a target. There yeah. really has to be a target for comedy.
0: Yeah. And he goes, well, what about Jerry Lewis? And I said, <laughs> Jerry Lewis. Is the shit end of the stick for yeah. Jerry Lewis? Right. Yeah. yeah, there's so. a target. There's always a target, <laughs> and
2: and I don't know. But if there's not a target, it's not comedy, right? And 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 the things where you're saying, what I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go against, I mean, if you're not go against, but if you're gonna target somebody who is is in a very very uh, low position, that almost makes it funnier. Like if you're gonna right, you're gonna uh-huh. attack. People with cancer, and you're gonna. Make, I mean, that can be very funny.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I, it, uh, it's funny. It brings someone. And I told this story on the show. I have a friend that's just getting over cancer. He went through all this chemo. His hair fell out and all that. And he's his hair's growing back, and he's pretty much okay now. But right in the middle of it, um, he's one of the guys I fly with in Santa Barbara. Yeah. And we were sitting there waiting for the wind, wind to come up, and he said, oh, I went down to, to uh, the Santa Paula airport, and there were some guys flying gliders there. I got to fly a glider. And I said, oh, shit, I only got to do that a couple of times. I want to start doing that again. And he goes, oh, yeah, they just took me up for free. And I said, what? I said, I don't see any blonde hair and big tits on mm. you. What do they take you up for free for? And he goes, Well, they knew I was sick and I had cancer, and I, th- I waited for a <laughs> second and I, I put on this Cartman voice. They said,
3: "I was some cancer,"
0: <laughs> and the guy sitting next to me, his friend, said, whoa, "Whoa, Jesus!" But the guy, the guy with the cancer, was was on the ground holding his gut laughing. Yeah, yeah, because and I can't remember who said. Uh, It was somebody else I was talking to about it. They said, nobody likes cancer jokes more than cancer patients.
2: That's probably true. Because
0: it's a coping thing. And I don't want to, you know... I don't know about women, but with guys, you know, you're not sitting around trying to pussyfoot around something and try to be, you know, uh, delicate with somebody about something. Well, you go right in the middle of it and say, you know, let's make a joke out of this because it's, you know, the guy could have died. He was worried about it for a while. He was sort of worried about it when I said the joke. And I don't know why it was going through my mind, but I figured he needed it at that time. Right. And I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in dark humor,
2: I mean, there is... It's the forbidden laugh and there is nothing – because I mean you don't make fun of sudden – what is it? Sudden infant death syndrome. You don't make fun of that. Sure you At can. Somebody, but I'm saying like yeah. – but I mean in common in, – in, in, in nice courteous conversation – you don't right. bring that up, of course. But when it does get brought up, and it's brought up in a in a humorous way, oh, it, it, it's, it's I mean, context. again, it's about surprise, yeah, it surprise, really, and it's really about context you. too. Here's here's one of my I mean, I didn't have a great success telling my last joke, but <laughs> but here's a joke I didn't write I didn't write, but it's one of my favorite jokes, and it's one of those jokes that comes and hits you on the side of the head. You're not uh-huh. expecting it. Guy walks into a bar, and he looks down at the end of the bar, and he thinks he sees Adolf Hitler down there, and he goes, "Bartender, is is that?" is that Adolf Hitler? And the bartender goes, yeah, that's Hitler. And he goes, I, I, I need to ask him a question. And the bartender says, well, you need to buy him a beer. Hitler doesn't ask questions for, answer questions for free.
3: <laughs> so he
2: buys, Hitler a bar, he buys Hitler a beer. He sends it down to the end of the Hitler bar. Hitler kind of nods. The guy walks down to the bar. And uh, he goes, oh, my God, Adolf Hitler. He goes, There's a. have always wanted to ask you this question. Hitler goes, well, you bought me the beer. Go ahead. And he goes, how many people... Did you actually kill during the Holocaust? And Hitler takes a sip of the beer. He thinks about it. He's like, eh. Half, probably six million Jews, half a dozen circus clowns. And the guy's like, half a dozen circus clowns? Why did you kill a half a dozen circus clowns? And Hitler goes, see, no one cares about the Jews.
0: (laughs) I've heard that one. It's a good one. That's a great one. It
2: it comes right at you. You're not expecting that. Uh It hits you right in the back of the head. Oh, wow. Funny stuff.
0: Two Nazi jokes in one night. Yours and the uh, National Lampoon one with the, uh, ah. the, the, the the gift of the Nazis. Right, yeah. right. Um, um,
2: well, there's nobody funny that are Nazis. I think we can all agree to that. Oh. They were hilarious. Yes. <laughs> Focus <laughs> Heroes is a great example.
0: Yeah. Uh, now we've run 35 minutes into uh, Dark Fibers Above Ground, uh, which we thank uh, the host, ver- David, very much for. And uh, hey, ed- David. Hey, David. And we are um, going to... Um, he said in return, he would like me to read the... Oh, okay. On on his... Um, oh, I was going to play... That's okay. Uh, actually, l- before I read it, I want to thank Joe for being on the show. And anytime you want to come on again, and then the next time we can talk about the books.
2: Yes, absolutely. That's, this was fun. And yes, I would love to talk about the books. And again, seriously, if anybody has any weird Hollywood stories, feel free to email me at Joe... At JoeArtistWriter dot com, uh, really? my deadline's creeping up on me very fast. So if you could. Write the whole story for me.
0: Would, <laughs> <laughs> I would really
2: appreciate it. But if not, just you know, give me a right, write him something, an and
0: then he'll just edit it.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that would be nice. And give you five bucks. I'll give seven bucks and a beer. Okay, that's, that's perfect. Which is, I'm actually losing that on that deal. If you've ever worked for Barnes and Noble, <laughs> <laughs> Barnes and Noble Publishing doesn't pay them the greatest.
0: Yeah, and uh, and uh, boy, do I know it. Uh, thanks so much for Joe for being on. Do you Thank wanna, you, you, Greg. You you, you want to plug your site in again one more time? One more so time.
2: It's Joe. Artistwriter.com. and that's Joe, J-O-E, artist, A-R, whatever, (laughs) and then writer.
0: can
3: spell.
2: Some people think I'm saying writer, which makes no sense. I mean, why would I say writer if I'm an artist? I'm not an artist writer. I'm an artist writer. Yes. But I understand, so I I was trying to spell the whole thing out.
3: Writers
2: in the stone? Oh, shit. No, it's not. See? This is why I have to spell this stuff out.
0: (laughs) So it's JoeArtistWriter.com, and uh, you can get in touch with them that way. And uh, we'll ba- be back next week from eight to ten PM, either with Joe or somebody else, or maybe it's just wacky music again. And if well, you've now ever, I know where the place any, is. Yeah, if you ever know any of my, uh, ever heard any of my shows, it's like uh, Doctor Demento, except you know I'm playing music by people who are not trying to be funny most of the uh,
2: time. I've got some great funny stuff too. As a matter of fact, one of the things I was going to play if I got here earlier. Do you know uh, Blackstrap Molasses? No, uh, it's it's not a funny funny song, but it's Groucho Marx, Danny Kay. Oh, I've heard else? of this. Um, you, have, you have it on your Jimmy Durante. Can play that on my show. Oh, I love that. Love it.
0: So yeah. yeah. We'll be back uh, next week, Radio with either the funny music or uh, more uh, wacky, crazy UFO, paranormal type stuff with a guest that I haven't even lined up yet. So uh, go on to uh, UFOmystic.com. Maybe I'll announce it. And uh, we'll see you then. And, and I'll be drinking at the
2: Georgian or the Georgia or some hotel okay. in uh, in Santa Monica for a little bit. And then I'm going to head over to the Brown Derby. And uh, if anybody wants to accompany me to see Marty and Elaine. I think I'm going to be doing that. Are they at sometime, the, they at, at the
0: Dresden, yeah. They're up at the Dresden. They're yeah. still there, yeah. And um, and uh, I will either do that or go for pie. So uh, thanks for <laughs> listening. See you next week, and uh, this show will be up probably within the next week or two, um, either at radioforall dot net or another more uh, yeah. Re- yeah yeah reliable server. Uh, so we don't have that problem anymore. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, see you then uh, next week, and. Uh, Right now I'll do the intro for David Show.